Hi, everyone. This is Phil Mattia with the Feliciano School of Business. Uh, today's topic is very timely. You're listening to the Business Edge podcast. The topic of today is what if colleges do not reopen until 2021? Our guest speaker is Dr. David Axelrod. He is in the Department of Economics, a professor there at the Feliciano School of Business. So welcome, Dr. Axelrod. Thank you for having me again. So Dr. Axelrod. I'm sorry, Dr. Axelrod has, has taped several podcasts on the, on the Business Edge channel. You'll see several of them. Uh, most recent, he talked about the economy as well as a stimulus plan. So I, I urge you to take a look at those, to listen to those as well, as well as he has others. Uh, he recorded earlier in the year, a series of, of podcasts that are uh, rather interesting. So as you all know, we are in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic. Today is May the 1st just to put a timestamp on it. In the United States, we have over a million coronavirus cases, approximately 65,000 deaths. We are in the process of slowly opening up the country. 31 states are either in the process of reopening or will be opening by next week. So a lot of things have changed since our last podcast, which I believe was about two weeks ago, and things are, are changing rapidly. Uh, one thing on the Business Edge podcast, we have done several of these podcasts to talk about how the coronavirus is impacting all walks of life, all segments, all industries. We've done, uh, we talked about coronavirus impact on the economy, the stock market, the cruise industry. We just recently done one on the accounting and auditing, how it's impacted that industry. And one thing that's even more timely is how it's going to impact higher education with respect to colleges. We are remote learning as most other universities in the United States, actually all universities I think are all remote learning for the spring semester, which is coming to a close. Summer semester at the Feliciano School of Business, we're also gonna be remote online. But the big, big, big question mark right now for all universities is what's going to happen in the fall, meaning in September. So Dr. Axelrod was kind enough to join us and talk about his opinion and thoughts and insights on this which I know all schools right now are struggling with, with as well as parents and, and students are trying to decide what to do for fall, whether to have in-person classes, whether to do remote, hybrid, or maybe students skip a year and come back next year. So a lot of uh, things are in motion here and there is really no consensus amongst all the universities on what path they're going towards. So with all that said, so uh, Dr. Axelrod, what short run, I'm sorry, short run effects can students expect to see if colleges do not reopen until 2021? Okay, well, thank you again for the opportunity uh, to, to speak with you. Um, well, first to answer these questions, it's gonna be useful to clarify the distinction between short run and long run uh, that economists use. Uh, while there is a temporal element, like the short run is typically in months and long run may be years, uh, the short run refers to decisions where some resources are fixed, while in the long run, all resources are variable. So for example, universities that have been expanding their facilities may be committed to paying off loans for years into the future. In the short run, these are part of their fixed costs, which gives them less flexibility in how to modify their expenses. Uh, other fixed costs of operations would include IT maintenance, security, and administration. Uh, much of these are part of the background with which students usually do not directly interact. So what is likely to change in the short run? Well, 
Face-to-face -face instruction will be mostly eliminated. Uh, likewise, there will be few, if any, on-campus activities. This means the elimination of live attendance for sporting activities, theater and music, seminars, clubs. Uh, those that can be communicated online may still occur, but only doing so if the production of the event itself is consistent with social distancing. Um, this will also be true for advising and administrative issues. Courses will be almost all online. Some students might prefer this, uh, but for many, this will reduce the value of their education. Uh, indeed, we need to recognize that students go to college not just for the book learning, but also for the full experience that college traditionally offers. So some aspects would include uh, the networking potential, the camaraderie and school spirit, uh, for some living away from home for the first time, and all the other cultural and personal development aspects that a, a campus life provides. So those who are close to graduating are likely to continue their studies. They, they wanna get done. However, for some, delaying their education uh, may be the most efficient use of their time and resources. Uh, with less in-person time with instructors, students will take on more direct responsibility for their education and assignments. Uh, performance will be more heavily prioritized as class participants as class participation becomes more remote. Uh, beyond this, students will likely see fewer adjunct faculty and office assistants, which will imply larger classes online and longer waits when dealing with registration and payment issues. Uh, technical issues such as available bandwidth might be associated with glitchy videos and remote lectures. Uh, but all this deals with their scholastic experience. If the universities remain closed until 2021 <clears throat> or even beyond, uh, it is because we are still dealing with the pandemic. This means students may experience greater personal losses in their life or a longer lasting economic downturn. Um, so these will be added stresses and, uh, and uncertainties uh, on top of the, the November elections, which are approaching. And you know any change in the uh, executive administration that occurs there. So everyone is going to learn a lot more about themselves. True. I mean, we're as you know, because your your day job is you're a, a professor at, at the school. Everything is online now, and that remote learning is interesting because you have faculty who have never taught online before, and within a matter of I think eight to ten days, they had to turn their courses fully online, including yourself. So it, there's an uh, education for the faculty as well. I think once now they've seen the technology, they've used the technology, are probably more comfortable with it going forward, assuming whenever this pandemic ends through the vaccine or we get to a better place, it'll be interesting to see if they continue on with that technology or the universities continue on using that uh, remote learning as well as the faculty, I think, could be more uh, capable of adopting to it. So you talked about the short run effects. What are, what are some of the long run effects? All right, well, <clears throat> with the long run, there's going to uh, come greater adjustments. Uh, schools will need fewer classrooms, dormitories, conference space. Um, there's going to be more investment in IT. Uh, we can expect over time, older faculty will be encouraged to retire earlier to make room for younger faculty that are more experienced with remote instruction. 
uh, both as a student and an instructor. Uh, since many of the challenges will be faced economy-wide, we can expect a further shift in the demand for majors to support information infrastructure, healthcare, AI, logistics, uh, behavioral studies, uh, those are the ones at the boundaries of psychology and economics, uh, will be important uh, as people will be guided to new habits and patterns and attitudes that support social distancing and decreased physical interaction. Uh, the need for greater space will impact urban areas, workspaces, production design. Uh, in particular, some of the economies of scale that have enabled our high material standard of living uh, may be diminished. So people will likely substitute into greater spiritual and religious fulfillment. Uh, something that uh, gets referred to as the transformation economy. You know, one of the things I've been hearing about, especially with elementary schools that are, that are online as well, the children who do not have high broadband access and the rural parts of this country that do not have, do not have broadband access. They, you know, we all take it for granted that we have Wi-Fi in our homes and it's pretty fast, but there are parts of this country where it's not accessible and it's, it's not as strong as it, as, as we are accustomed to here. So it'll be interesting to see if the colleges go fully online in September, what do those students do? The, the ones who don't have the broadband access that, that have the high speed internet? Well, um, you know, again, short run versus long run. Short run, they're gonna scramble, right? Um, you know, they'll try to be in parking lots, you know, near, uh, you know, restaurants, Starbucks uh, that will have Wi-Fi, um, you know, maybe local governments, maybe even federal government will, um, you know, subsidize these places to keep the Wi-Fi available. Um, but in the long run, uh, we're going to have to have a greater in investment in that information infrastructure for two reasons. One is if we're gonna have more online learning and more online everything, we need to have a greater bandwidth. But there's another thing, and that is, if we build up those resources in rural areas, it enables people to move out of the urban areas into the suburb and the rural, which will help with the social distancing. Um, now, rural areas may not be so happy about that because they'll have more people, uh, but if we're trying to create greater distance, that's one of the ways to do it. Yeah, you mentioned Starbucks. It's interesting. My local Starbucks has a drive-through. You're not allowed to go in, obviously. And there's always four or five cars in the parking lot just sitting. And I look in, I see, look in the cars, and they're typically young people. And what they're doing is they're using the Wi-Fi for Starbucks, which is free. So uh, your point there is, is spot on. I think you're going to see a lot of, of, of students using that free Wi-Fi from a Starbucks or another retail or another uh, uh, chain. Uh, I, I know the House Democrats are proposing in the next stimulus bill, I believe it's $50 billion for broadband, uh, to bring broadband to rural areas. Now, I don't know how long it takes to build up broadband or what that time frame will be, you know, but I know that's something that's been talked about for a while, which seems like it's, it should be done. It should have been done years ago, but it's, this is not a political conversation, so we'll... <laughs> So my next question, uh, do you expect market segmentation to occur? 
Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, social distancing is uh, going to require that fewer students occupy, uh, occupy classrooms. Um, how, this is not going to be done by increasing the number of faculty, uh, since universities will not be able to afford more instructors. Uh, rather, face-to-face -face instruction will become a, a premium modality, while online classes will become the standard. Uh, there will be an economic pressure to increase the efficacy of online learning as the need for better educated students increases. Uh, still, face-to-face -face is likely to be preferred, you know, both as a more three-dimensional experience and for the networking opportunities. So this will accelerate a market segmentation where those with greater resources will be able to afford uh, the eventually scarcer classroom seating. Um, but this could still be beneficial. Uh, the face-to-face -face class will have a lower student to instructor ratio, which likely improves the quality of instruction. Meanwhile, online courses will become a more affordable option, enabling a greater range of students to receive a college level education. Uh, another segment may also expand, and those are the degrees earned by testing alone. So some schools already provide this as an alternative. Uh, for example, in New Jersey, there's Thomas Edison. Uh, for some students, the online experience may not provide much of a difference to self-guided independent study. Uh, at an even lower price, students could take a test or paper, make a project, which if satisfactory would earn the course credit. Um, so it kind of takes social distancing into academic distancing. Um, this may be particularly appealing if AI is used to grade essays and problem exams. But the, one of the criticisms with online learning uh, is, is it watering down the academic experience? I know some schools are going to uh, pass-fail as, as opposed to letter grade. I know element, some elementary schools are going completely pass-fail. And the argument always is the academic integrity of, of, of earning these degrees or diplomas by, by reducing it. And I know we're in a, in a you know, unpre unprecedented time in our country, but does that change how employers may view the degree, knowing that these are students that went through two or three semesters of online learning, which is rich in content, but then again, may have been structured in a way to accommodate the, you know, the pandemic and it's, it's all its negative effects? Well, I, that's clearly an important question. Um, uh, at the same time, um, you know, businesses may look at it in two ways. One, as you pointed out, uh, maybe students didn't get the quality of education um, that, uh, you know, previous years have. Um, but, but by the way, whether or not pandemic or not, we were heading more towards online classes anyhow. Yeah. So that issue would still be there. But the other thing is this. Um, they may look at the students that still manage to get their degree with everything going on, and they'll that use that use that as a signal that these are motivated. And so there's kind of you know two things that are going on, right? One is the what is the education you're getting, and what are you signaling about who you are as a person as you're getting your degree. So in some ways, I would I would say to students, you know you know, hang in there, get your degree, 
you know, if there are some things you need to, to, to you know, learn again, um, you, know, at, you know, afterwards, you, you know, you can still do that. Um, but if you show that diligence, that is something an, an employer wants. They want to know that if you get thrown something, you can still work with it because this pandemic and other crises, they're not going away. So if you can show you can, you know, get through this, that's a good sign about who you are. Yeah, and the, the tuition piece is always critical, um, and it was critical before the pandemic, and, and cost is always important to students uh, in light of the student debt that these, these students are, are dealing with when they graduate school, so, so tuition is, is important. And now with, with the reset, or it's not a recession, because you taught me that, I remember one of our podcasts, we're not in a recession yet, it's six months, right? For recession, it's technically two quarters. Before, okay, remember, say so yeah, as short as four months, but yeah, we're uh, we're getting there. We're getting, we're getting there. there. Yeah, <laughs> so, you know, over almost thirty million people apply for unemployment over the last three four weeks. So now tuition costs is even more important. I think students are going to be looking at that more than they did a few months ago because they may have lost their job. Uh, one of their parents may have lost their jobs, or maybe scholarships may may be a little bit different. So, you know, what, what changes can students expect to see in tuition? Well, I would say eventually it's likely that face-to-face -face courses, you know, if they're going to be provided, um, will be provided at a greater tuition. Um, and that online courses are, are going to be offered at a lower price, um, at least for a little while. Uh, Universities might also move to a form of uh, prefix where the price of a course includes all its study materials. Um, so, you know, for example, this might be done via a greater reliance on Creative Commons resources uh, for online classes. Like, there's already a push to, in that direction, anyhow. Um, since face-to-face -face classes will most likely be taught by the most renowned professors, uh, they will likely want to use the materials they've developed, meaning it will also be part of the increased price for the course. Um, so another advantage of smaller face-to-face -face classes will be seen when future pandemics force universities to shut down campus again. Um, these courses, when they go re remote, um, but they'll have a small number of students, you know, maybe only eight or 12. And that will still be a better learning experience than taking online courses with uh, 50 to 100 students. So I, I, would, I would expect that there will be a, a two-tier pricing system going forward. Yeah, and the other part of the student experience is living on campus as well as the classroom experience. And it, I know it's a big source of revenue for universities. Because if all universities went fully online, it would still collect some form of tuition, but having students on campus is critical, both for the experience and, and the, the campus life experience, as well as revenue. So what changes do you think students can expect to see in room and board rates? Uh, yeah, well, there's, there's going to be a lot of change there. If, uh, if we're going with social distancing for a while, um, uh, here's some things that are possible, okay? First of all, having two to four students in a dorm room or an apartment, that's not gonna be possible, right? So it's likely that rooms uh, will become single occupancy, right? your traditional dorm room will be single occupancy, and apartments will be reserved for married or domestic partner housing. Um, 
And with the reduced supply, the, the price for room and board will increase. Um, however, since those living on campus will be there uh, because they're taking face-to-face -face courses, uh, they will also be more likely to afford the higher prices of having their own room. So this may be one way universities will limit uh, the revenue declines in the era of social distancing. However, we might also see some of the sur surplus dorm rooms or student apartments become a fringe benefit for younger faculty, uh, especially researchers that have a need to be on campus to do their work. Yeah, another area that gets affected is student government fees. So if, if you know, how to, you know, with colleges, with that fixed cost, you know, students, uh, if they're learning online, they won't be receiving, uh, they won't receiving those benefits. So how will, how will colleges deal with the fixed costs, such as those fees that students will not uh, be receiving while they're online? Okay, well, I would imagine that some of those fixed costs will be absorbed into the greater tuition for face-to-face -face courses. Um, again, short run, long run, short run universities will be operating at a loss, okay? They're, they're not necessarily going to be able to make that up immediately. Um, some colleges are going to shut down permanently, um, and that's going to lead, to, lead to a, a greater concentration of students at fewer schools. Um, now, this will help the remaining schools to cover those costs. In the longer run, schools will uh, decrease the footprint required for students to be on campus and expand the infrastructure to support online learning. Uh, and you know, many of the other um, experiences that uh, students you know, have, you know, as far as clubs, you know, clubs will be online. Um, um, so, um, you know, maybe every classroom will be wired so that even the face-to-face -face sessions are viewable online and that might help reduce costs for online education. Um, of course, all of this is going to increase competition between faculty to, to be able to teach a face-to-face -face course, which could put greater pressure on the collegiality among faculty. Yeah, I mean, we could have another podcast just to talk about that topic. The impact—that's <laughs> a whole other discussion. That's uh, could, we could spend time on. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, the million-dollar question, which all schools are struggling with right now, is is what's going to happen in the fall. So, what do you think is going to happen? Will you expect to see a decrease in enrollment as a result of campus closures? Um. Well, I want to. I, I want to consider the. Conf uh, the conflicting factors in this, all right? So like first, when the economy's in a downturn, uh, downturn and uh, jobs are more scarce, um, it, it, it tends to reduce the opportunity cost to go to college. So in, in that case, enrollment tends to increase in response, uh, especially if there's public funding. On the other hand, during a downturn, families have lower income, which makes going to school more financially challenging. However, the current situation has yet another factor, and that is the, the absence of the full on-campus experience uh, is going to reduce the perceived value of going to college. So I, I think we are likely to see lower enrollment nationwide. Um, Although, as mentioned before, uh, there might be fewer schools with larger enrollments. 
so this could also mean uh, an increase in the focus and motivation of the students that do remain as uh, they're going to have a higher priority for learning itself uh, to complete their degree in a timely fashion and so maybe less distracted toward attaining their goals um, you know you know beyond this schools uh, like Feliciano School of Business uh, will expand the educational model of a four-year degree to a four plus one you know a, B, a BA with a fifth year to also complete an AB, MBA um, Another alternative will be acquiring a one to two year uh, general education foundation. And then a, a series of four to six course certificates that students earn through a lifetime of changing careers. Um, the last may become more attractive as online courses become standard because uh, you know, the prospect of four or more years spent online in a world that will be uh, changing ever more quickly is just not going to be as appealing. Yeah, absolutely. So the government, as we all know, over the past uh, month or four to six weeks, how, however long it's been, through this, several stimulus plans, and I've lost count of how many trillions of dollars have been given to unemployment insurance and given to the hospitals. So a lot of money have been, and rightfully so, that they've given back uh, to handle this or minimize this, uh, the effect of this pandemic. The one area which is interesting, which you raise here, is will the government subsidize college education? Um, well, look, as market segmentation develops uh, and online education drops in price due to its lower marginal cost per student, um, subsidized education will increase uh, because it'll be more affordable. Um, so it may be similar how uh, the ACA subsidizes health insurance, right? Uh, so with the ACA, it provides a subsidy for the second lowest cost education, um, you know, the online degree. So those that want uh, the face-to-face -face experience will pay for the difference. Uh, those that choose the test-only path uh, are, might be provided some finances to study on their own. So in a world of increasing technological dependence, uh, it will be essential that almost everyone get an education, uh, something that lower income families cannot afford without assistance. So if social distancing becomes the, the norm uh, for a long time, um, there's going to be no feasible alternative to an online education. Uh, so part of the affordability is that room and board, as well as physical textbooks, are going to be eliminated. So, uh, of course, along with the subsidized education, there may come an expectation, even a requirement, uh, that everyone either work toward a degree or at least take ongoing courses toward certificates. So, you know, not dissimilar to the requirement of having uh, health insurance uh, once it's been made affordable. Yeah, I mean, change is tough in higher education, as you know, uh, whether it's changing curriculum or changing policy, it, it takes a little bit longer than it does in the private sector with, with companies. So it's everything you're saying here is, is just fascinating to see how this all plays out because we're gonna see it in the next, um, three to six months because September is not that far away. It's only a few months away. So no, no, not at all. <laughs> and it's May 1st. So uh, in, in our world, the world that you and I live in, you know, it's, it's fall already now because students have already registered or are registering now uh, along the way. So 
But anyway, what are your, what are some of your final thoughts on, on colleges not reopening until 2021? Well, well, first, it's difficult to imagine how college education and the experience around it returns to what it has been recently, you know, except for maybe the most affluent, which over the span of history is, is what it was, right? Uh, the difference is that with modern technology, higher education will be much more widely available, but without the full campus life. Um, so, I mean, there's going to be much more conflict and the politics uh, around the inequality inherent in all this. And there will be inequality. Um, look, just as we are likely to see, um, like, for example, with food production, uh, you know, greater prices uh, um, and medical care, right? There's going to be more telemedicine and, and an increasing cost for in-person visits and transportation, right, with social distancing, there's gonna be less mass transit, there's gonna be increasing prices for private transport, uh, and that's gonna to lead to more people uh, traveling little except for work. And it's gonna be increasing the, the share of people who are gonna live, work, go to school, find entertainment, exercise, and connect completely at home or within walking distance. So, you know, in some ways, this is going to be similar to what feudal times were like, except with better technology and more developed markets. Uh, on the other hand, there's a potential side benefit that we might actually end up with a healthier ecosystem and might avoid some of the worst of climate change. So, look, all of this is, is going to exaggerate the literal distinction between old school and new school which suggests that maybe one of the duties for faculty will be to take at least one online course a year themselves, uh, preferably from a different discipline. And, you know, why? Um, first, so they can actually experience how courses are being delivered, which gives them a better idea of what needs improving, and to get a better sense of what is it to learn something they do not already know. Um, it also has the advantage, uh, advantage of encouraging interdisciplinary understanding. And, you know, look, this is going to be about connecting our minds and expanding the academic community, uh, you know, even as we're keeping our physical distance. Yeah, a lot of good, interesting points, David, as always. Uh, we'll see how this continues on, and I'll, I'll have another podcast with you in the next month or so, because I think things will get a little bit clearer. I think universities will start sharing what they're, how they're delivering uh, their education uh, for fall. Uh, you know, they have to, because it's May. You would think by June-ish, they'd have to start, oh, yeah. maybe yeah. earlier. So I think everyone is struggling with this because of, this has never happened before. So, or maybe other universities are kind of looking around, seeing what their competitors are doing, or just uh, maybe obviously faculty have been put and students have been put in this. So it'll be interesting to see how this thing goes. But again, I thank you all uh, for joining me and, and thank you, Dr. Axelrod, for your time. And uh, for those that are listening, please check out his other podcasts about the pandemic and the impact, as well as his other podcasts on. Uh, uh, topics that are, are, are of interest to to all of us so until then uh we'll talk next time thank you all bye bye and thank you again